You're listening to the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast. In today's publishing landscape, you can reach fans all over the world. Query letters are a thing of the past. You don't even need a literary agent. There is nothing standing in the way of making a living from writing. Join two best-selling authors who have self-published more than 20 books between them. Now, on to the show with your hosts, Autumn Burt and Jasper Schmidt. Hello, I'm Jasper. And I'm Autumn. This is episode 126 of the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast, and... I honestly don't know how we waited this long to discuss how to create a magic system, but never, le- what do you say? Never late than never? Or what do you say? Yeah, that's never late than <laughs> never works for me. Yeah, I mean, magic is like foundational. We're, we've been joking Better about... Better late than never. Yeah. That's what we, you're supposed to say. Better late. Better than, than never. Late. Yeah, they... Not never late than never. That doesn't make no sense. <laughs> well, you know, my English isn't perfect sometimes either. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, this should be interesting. Yes, definitely. We've been joking about magic and destroying computers all day. So, hey, why not talk about how you would develop that if that was your story? Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to it because magic systems, that's one of my favorite topics. It is. This world needs better magic system. If I was writing earth <laughs> it would probably wouldn't be it would probably be bad for some people so it's probably a good thing yeah, honestly there's not enough magic in real life no we need more magic definitely yeah if I, this was the story I, totally different anyway so how are things over on your side of the planet uh, it's good. Not too many exciting things going on here, to be honest. Uh, I'm working on the chapter-by-chapter chapter plotting of yes. book two in our new series. And uh, I should be done by the end of this week, I hope. Yeah. Uh, so that, uh, yeah, so that that's pretty good. I'm just working on that. And uh, otherwise, soccer is really picking back up here in Denmark. Um, last Saturday, we had... 500 matches to cover in the region that I belong to, which was uh, too much. So we actually had to tell some teams that uh, they would not, they were not going to get a referee. Oh, because wow. we didn't have any more. It was just too many matches in <laughs> one day. Crazy! They're excited. Yeah. COVID, spring, you know, let's go for it. Everybody just want to play matches, which is, of course, is cool. But it's yeah. when everybody want to play on the same day, it becomes a problem. Yeah. Uh, so just this week alone, I have three matches to referee. Gosh. So. Yeah, um, I, in that sense, it's a bit busy, you could say. Yeah, I was going to say, on top of writing, on top of, you know, everything else you got going on, plus work, and yeah, yeah, that should keep you on your toes a little bit. Yeah, just a little. <laughs> Maybe I'm going to be a bit tired once we reach the weekend. But I, I have so. to referee a match in the weekend as well, so that's oh, not going to help much. Still <laughs> not going to get much rest. So Sunday, I'm just going to be on the couch like, Whoa. Yeah, I think it'll, it'll be a well-deserved couch day. I hope it is quiet and rainy and you don't feel like going out and you can just be like, surf the internet and watch Netflix. Yeah, I can watch more of uh, American Gods like we talked oh. about in a past episode. Yeah, uh, and I, I still have finished the entire first season of, season of it now. It's, so it's good. It's good. All I right. Like it. I've got a, like a 14-day span coming up where I'm solo and I might put that one on the list. I I like it. It's it's really good. Cool. I I I haven't checked though, to be honest, because there is only three seasons, hmm. and I have not checked if 
because I'm always concerned about checking on online about because then I'm going to get spoilers or something. But I have not checked if it's like a proper ending season oh, three or, or if it's, it's just one of those where they just stop funding it and then it just stops in the middle of something. I have not checked that, but I just have fingers crossed right now that it's going to be a proper ending and they had planned to end by the end of season three. If not, then I'm going to get a bit upset. But Probably. Uh, <laughs> I do remember we'll reading that. Yeah, Netflix likes to have series that only go two or three. So hopefully people are writing knowing that Netflix prefers only two or three seasons. Yeah, but this one is Amazon Prime. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Darn. Oh, I don't know. Good yeah. luck. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And I dare not look it up on the internet. So uh... see, I don't mind. Spoilers but how about you? All. What are you uh, What are you doing these days? I released a book, so I'm happy. Yesterday, Revolution came out. I mean, when we're recording this, it recorded out. It came out just a few days ago. So by the time it's out in the world, the book will have been out for a little while. But yeah, so it's good. I have only one more book to go in my Tainted Fae series, so I can't wait. And I'm working on edits for that one. Well, at the same time, working on edits for our co-written book one. So I'm editing and editing and doing some graphic design just to keep my sanity, I suppose. And was going for some walks, but uh, we were hitting the spring rains, which we desperately need. So I can't complain. But that means more inside time than outside time. Oh, you must be going crazy by all that editing by now. Jesus. <laughs> I'll be happy when I finish Tainted Fae and then I'm just working on our books and it'll be much smoother. May is going to be a busy month for me as far as trying to juggle way too many things. But after this, hopefully it'll smooth out a little bit. And I will I mention I'll be a little solo for almost two weeks. So that should just work myself to death, you know forget sleep pretend like i'm a vampire and <laughs> that's your plan <laughs> that's my plan pretend like i'm a college student i can work all night that's what i'm gonna do <laughs> but it's wonderful i mean what i'm working on is wonderful i can't complain i just need more hours in the day <laughs> a week on the internet with the am writing fantasy podcast a few things to cover in this section today, uh, but oh. the most important part first. Okay. So we want to give a shout out and thank you to Creative Gray and James Dalton, I think that's how you say it, for joining us on Patreon. Yes, thank you. And we always appreciate having new supporters. Yeah, not only that, Dominic also increased his pledge. So oh, thank you for right. your support as well, Dominic. So... It is because of you guys, together, of course, with the existing Patreon supporters, that we can keep the show going. So if you're listening out there and you haven't checked Patreon out yet, then ask yourself if you feel that this podcast is perhaps worth a dollar a month. Maybe. So, yeah, I, we, we, hope, we think so. I would support us if I wasn't already supporting us. <laughs> I give, we'll give ourselves a dollar. <laughs> I would give ourselves a dollar. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> well there's a link in the show notes from where you can check out patreon and all the rewards that we offer over there if you're interested and once again thank you so much uh, to creative gray james dalton and dominic for for your pledges uh, we really appreciate it yes definitely thank you and the other thing i wanted to mention speaking of patreon um i think everybody probably heard about kindle vela by now yeah but uh, I actually wrote a detailed overview together with my personal recommendations on Kindle Vela for our Patreon supporters. Excellent. So by 
joining on Patreon, you are also going to get access to that and tons and tons of advice that uh, we don't share anywhere else. And uh, Autumn, you've written quite a number of, of <laughs> advice articles and so on on Patreon as well. Yes, I enjoy I doing my hundreds. writing tips and things there. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so uh, so that's very good. Uh, we We love to see it. Actually, it's so that... Once we get to $100 a month on Patreon, which we are very, very close to, then we're actually going to do a dedicated Patreon Q&A session only for Patreon supporters. Yes. So, yeah, you know, if somebody wants to get in on that, you, you could jump in now and, and just uh, pledge a bit there on Patreon. And it's probably, it's not going to take much to put it over the top. So That's true. And then we're good to go. That would be fun. Oh, I can't wait. I Because I do, we've actually gotten to talk to a couple of our Patreon supporters, and they're all awesome, and that would be really cool to get to have a Zoom chat or something with them. Yeah, and we just, uh, before co- recording this podcast episode, we also just came off the monthly Q&A session we do with all students and all Patreon supporters at, at $5 and up. Uh, and it's, it's just wonderful. I love mm-hmm. the interaction with people, and I love the you know being able to see people's faces even better when they join live uh, but also <laughs> some people just email in some questions which is wonderful mm-hmm. and i love being able to help directly like that uh, it's it's fun to do the podcast but that's more generic whereas the q and a sessions is responding directly to people's questions so that's i love that i do too i'm hoping you know with covid easing up maybe there'll be more conferences and stuff again because yeah i love the in-person stuff it's so much fun yeah and we still have it on the idea list to see if we could do some sort of am writing fantasy thing yeah maybe a live thing with seeing people live and stuff like that (laughs) sounds dangerous but maybe we should do that one day with six foot distancing but well did you see the facebook group is over almost 4.5 or 4,500 4, members so you're yeah you know that would be a, quite the party yeah that's gonna be quite <laughs> crazy <laughs> yeah. i think it would be yeah and on to today's topic so, yeah, as I said at the top, magic systems are probably, apart from map making, one of my favorite topics because it's such an integral part of the fantasy genre. It is. And it's funny, though, because I think I still remember right, reading fantasy as you know, a young kid and thinking, oh, this is so cool. And I just kind of assumed all magic was, you know, magic. You know, it was like the same as Tolkien, the same as like the first story you read. All magic is going to be like that. And it was sort of the introduction that magic could be different in different stories and then there's limitations and how you overcome them that i'm like oh this is really cool and then you start thinking what kind of magic would i have we just got asked that on a podcast what kind of magic would you want and it was just so fun to think about and especially as a writer to structure magic and to do that what are the weaknesses what are the strengths how can you overcome it i to me those are the the best parts of writing are figuring those things out and then putting two people together and having a battle and yeah, <laughs> it'd be good. Yeah. And it's also very nice with, with magic when, if you, it's just part of the, it's part of the genre, right? I mean, if, yeah. if you read a, a fantasy novel and the magic just doesn't f- 
I, I'm okay. I'm not saying that every single fantasy book has to has have a lot of magic in it, but <laughs> if if it's not at least there in one way or another, and it's it's also maybe a bit cool, you know, that it's not just the same thing you've seen a million times before. Yeah. Then it makes a difference. I agree, definitely. It makes it. it there's just something really cool. It's what's part partially memorable, but yeah, I can't see either of us ever writing a low fantasy novel with very little magic. <laughs> no. But then I, I did write a dystopian series where there is no magic, but lots of explosions. So sometimes you can surprise yourself. <laughs> lots of explosions. Have, yeah, I have to admit though, that was I was at the time I was writing my elemental magic fantasy series. And so that was that magic. And I just wanted something that was couldn't be solved with magic. And it was a challenge to switch to something where things had to be done with just wit and intelligence and guns. So mm. <laughs> uh, yeah. It can be interesting. But yeah, I prefer fantasy. I prefer magic. And I think it's really fun. We've come up with some really different systems through our own books and then the book we're writing together that make the magic even that much more fun and interesting to write about yeah so as part of the world building course that we are offering on amwritingfantasy.com we have an entire module on developing magic systems and within that we have created six rules of magic yes and the course will go into a lot more details about what about each of these six rules and add a lot more content to them uh, but in this episode here on the podcast today, we were thinking to just go through, let's say, a bit more quick and then yet not totally quick <laughs> <laughs> overview of all the six rules. I think that sounds um, very good. And you recorded this module, so I I will let you lead. I, I already admit you this is your mod this is your structure, so I will follow up. <laughs> Yeah, so basically, we'll just go through the six rules of magic here. And um, yeah, and then we can talk a bit about it as we go as well. Yes, and hopefully, absolutely. it'll help people to inspire you listeners for when you're doing your magic systems. So first rule of magic. It sounds Ooh. like first rule of Fight Club, almost, right? <laughs> <laughs> I like these rules already. <laughs> yeah, first rule of magic. So in order to explain our first rule of magic, um, I think I need to set the scene a bit. Uh, because you see, magic systems can either be very specific, mm -hmm. they can also be vague and mysterious, or I somewhere would... in between. That makes so sense. So what about examples? We... Yeah, exactly. So if we take oh. an example here, take Lord of the Rings, for example. Mm -hmm. So on one hand, we find magic in the Lord of the Rings that is very specific. So like the One Ring, it is very clear what the One, one Ring does and how it works. It has rules, right? So that's right. pretty obvious. Mm -hmm. Conversely, we also find magic in Middle-earth that seems to have absolutely no rules. That like Gandalf? Gandalf, <laughs> Gandalf is, yeah, he's the perfect example, right? The, because, and there are those that say that the uh, magic in Middle Earth, and especially with Gandalf, is just too random. You know, one mm -hmm. moment you'll have Gandalf running for his life trying to escape orcs, and then the next one, minute he pulls off some weird magic trick that you never heard about before. Yes. Um, and we didn't even know what it was possible in this setting. Uh, so 
there is a debate about that, and I'm not going to go into it. It's a big, big rabbit hole, and uh, I've seen yeah some of the crazy conversations going on about that. So yeah. we'll leave that to everybody else to debate. But okay. what I wanted to say about it was more that if you're looking at Gandalf's magic, then it is less rules and much more mystique, right? right. So yep. you don't quite know what he can do, really. And on the other hand, the ring, you knew, you know exactly what it can do. Right. So I think, yeah, there's, there's, there is one thing I wanted to point out with Gandalf here. And actually, oh. I prepared a short audio clip here. Okay. And it is one of my favorite scenes in Lord of the Rings. And uh, if you're ready for this, let me play it, and then I'll I'll tell you afterwards why I, I included it. Okay, there better be a relevance. You're not just geeking out on Lord of the Rings. Yeah, yeah, I'm just gonna play like 15 different sign clips from Lord of the Rings, and there's no relevance <laughs> whatsoever to this topic. Yeah, right. yeah, it's a podcast. It sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, okay, but maybe there's a relevance. But you can see okay. if you can work out what it is. All right. I am the servant of the secret fire, wielder of the flame of Arnor. The dark fire will not avail you, flame of Uldun! Go back to the shadow! I still get the goosebumps from listening to that. <laughs> it's such a good scene. <laughs> I wish we could show the whole, like, the actual clip. It'd be so dramatic. Yeah, you remember what it is, right? Uh, i trying to remember what he is fighting off. But yes, he's standing there saying, you know, you are not going any further. And Yeah, I he's can't... fighting the Balrock. That's what it was. I was like, I know it's not the dragon. What is it? What is it? What is it? All right. Uh, now I have it's to go watch Balrog, these movies yeah. again. Yeah. <laughs> It's awesome, yeah. Awesome. But the reason why I included this, because you can hear in the clip he proclaims to be the wielder of the flame of Anor. Oh, and we have absolutely no idea what this secret fire is all about. It has never been mentioned before in the entire book. Uh, and, well, he's just the wielder of it for some no, reason. He could be making it up. But that's the up. whole point. <laughs> yeah, that's the whole point, right? It, it's intriguing. Mm-hmm. And it leaves us with like a sense of wonder and awe. And we're like, I wonder what that is. It sounds yes. cool, but we don't know what it is. So put um, into different words, apart from the one ring, Lord of the Rings is what we can categorize as a soft magic system. Mm-hmm. So this is basically, if you ignore the one ring, this is where you have no rules and the author doesn't really probably know himself or herself what the extent of magic is and what it can and cannot do. And it sounds, so that's I've, one yeah. type of magic system. And to me, I mean, as a writer, I used to think I would never like a soft magic system, but my fey books are a soft magic system, and in their own way, it's kind of fun. I usually like rules, because then I know how to break them and how to build tension, but <laughs> it's also kind of fun to be like, it's magic, you can do whatever you want. You know, have this small little brownie being like, what do you mean you don't think you can do that with magic? It's magic! So <laughs> there is something fun to that as well. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I think the key with the soft magic system is to be careful with the deus ex machina. So yes. if 
people don't know, Deus Ex Machina is uh, translated into the God in the machine, which basically means that, uh, well, something within the machine will all of a sudden make it work and then everything is resolved. And the, in other words, the problem with soft magic systems is that, let's say you reach the climax of your novel and the character is in a pinch there and it's a big, big problem. And then all of a sudden he just pulls some random spell out that nobody has heard about before and then he wins the uh, or defeats the dragon and wins the everything he wanted to win or whatever. Yeah. And that can feel a bit like, yeah, it's a bit cheap. Right? It's yeah. not a good resolution of an entire novel that you just pull out a random spell that fixes everything. Mm-hmm. So and why yeah, do you do it the earlier? The soft magic yeah. system, be careful with that stuff, with Definitely. soft magic systems. And I think that's on definitely why I opposite. like the hard magic. Yeah. Yeah. On the opposite end of the scale, we have the rule-based magic system. So this is referred to as hard magic, like you just mm-hmm. said. And this examples could be Patrick Rothfuss or Brandon Sanderson. They are often found in this category. Mm-hmm. So a rule-based magic system just means that the readers know what magic can and cannot do. So all of a sudden, you don't even have to worry about Deus Ex Machina anymore because there are rules to be followed. And the characters just can't do whatever they please because it's not possible within the magic system. So they have, characters have to use their resolve and intelligence to figure out how maybe to use magic, but then how can they use the magic to their advantage? And it's not just pulling out a, a spell you never heard about before. So no, we have a pretty hard magic system in our uh, setting, uh, Autumn. Yes, definitely. We even have a list of the spells that you can cast. <laughs> we, we, I think we have a very, I don't think I've had a a, hard, a magic system this hard before. I mean, it's very, and it's very limited. It's like, you know, like one of nine things you can do. So it's very, very limited. And it's different because it's, I'm, I think I'm somewhere usually in the middle where it's like, these are the certain rules. But if you kind of know what you're doing, you can kind of like, you know, combine and overlap and discover new possibilities using the same rule system, which is always fun. But yeah, hard yeah. magic is neat, though, because you do know the rules, you know what they are, what you can't do. And so, you know, sort of like where the limits are, you know, what can cause tension. OK, it's almost like Superman and Kryptonite, but it's it's more interactive and interplay. And that lends into stress. It's it's a understandable output so that you know the character can fall and be defeated. And you're like, oh gosh, no. Because this is what gets me with like Doctor Who with a sonic screwdriver that like can do anything. It's a sonic screwdriver. It should not be able to save the world, but <laughs> it can in some episodes. And that just drives me absolutely right. crazy. So you have to be careful if you do create rules. You don't then throw them to the wind. No, I agree. Uh, but as you say, of course, it can also be in between somewhere, like you just mentioned, uh, that it's a bit hard magic system, but then not quite. So J.K. Rowling is usually in here with her mm. Harry Potter series. It's, there is some rules within the Harry Potter universe and magic system, but then not quite anyway, because then sometimes she pulls out some stuff that you never heard about again. Um, so there's also that possibility to to in to to settle your magic system somewhere in between these two endpoints, mm-hmm. um, and it's probably to a large degree it's a sliding scale, right? You you, you can yeah. play it with it as you want, but basically without realizing now we actually covered the first rule of magic here because the first rule of our magic is to decide 
what kind of magic system are you going to construct here? Hmm. Is it subject to rules? Is it not? Is it somewhere in between? That's the first rule of magic. That's the first oh. thing you decide. That's a pretty cool rule. So I'm going to go with hybrid because <laughs> it's good to have some wiggle room. <laughs> well, yeah. I actually like most of them, to be honest. I think that each of them have their own challenges and they also come yeah. with their own benefits. Uh, I, I don't necessarily, I think, have a preference. Um, I think most of it is okay. As long, the only thing I don't like is is the soft magic system where all of a sudden you, you do like the Gandalf stunts. I, I don't like that, to be honest, because it just feels too easy. Yeah. It feels I, like the author didn't know what to do, so all of a sudden the magic user just pulls out some stunts and then, oh, look at that, everything was resolved. <laughs> Yeah, I don't like that. But but other than that, then I, I think all of them are equally good uh, and bad magic. in their own ways. Yeah, well, yeah. You know, as long as there's magic, we're good. Yeah. So second rule of magic. All right. This one asks, where does magic come from? Hmm. That's interesting as well. So is it, it could be that you pull magic from nature, maybe from spirits, maybe from another realm. Maybe you pull energy off of things or you get it from the gods or maybe from within yourself. There's a million options. Yes. Um, Reading spell books. Yeah, Yeah, but then you're probably pulling it either from from within yourself or you Mm. are pulling it. It's more about, second rule is more about, it's not so much how you create the spell, but it's more about where do you get, where do the energy for the magic come from, basically. Okay. Right, so good. so right. are you are you getting granted magic skills by the gods because you pray to them, for example, mm-hmm. or do you pull it from demons or do ley lines? You, on well, Earth. like like in yeah yeah like like, well, like in our setting, we they pull it. The magic users pull them pull it from within themselves because yes. our magic system is based on emotions. So right. you have to funnel your own emotions in order to, or channel your own, own emotions in order to cast spells. So, but it could be a million things. Uh, but the answer to this question gives you a lot of interesting things to play on for the next coming rules here. Oh, okay. I like that one too. Yeah. So should we move on to rule number three? Yeah, I don't think I have anything to add, but that makes sense. Because, yeah, it's not necessarily that, like, you have a type of magic, like elemental magic. It is, you know, is it the gods granting the magic or is it your own innate soul or ability or power? It's like another sense. So, okay, Mm -hmm. I got that one. You got that. Okay, third rule of magic. How can you create a broken magic system? Uh, That sounded odd, didn't it? Oh, I don't think (laughs) so. Why would you want to create a broken magic system? <laughs> the thing is, leaving space for magic to fail mm-hmm. or not to always go as it was intended, that creates another sense of wonder. And it also hints of some sort of hidden depth within the magic system that keeps it intriguing and interesting. When your spellcasters, well, when they have to deal with maybe some setbacks or disasters one is, once in a while from a spell that goes wrong or... <laughs> Maybe it just doesn't happen at all uh, or, or something, you know. But if you can cre- create some sort, it should not happen very often, obviously. But if you could create something that um, just once in a while, the magic just doesn't work like you expected it to. Yeah. That That is interesting. I think so. I mean, that's why, like, this rule is definitely one of my favorites because I, well, it's not because I'm really good at breaking things. I swear. 
<laughs> but I am really good at breaking things. <laughs> but I'm pretty do, good at that. Yeah, I really am. But I think it's interesting <laughs> if you know if things go wrong, if things can go wonky, and you know it, it pushes your characters into situations that are even more tense. That is better for the reader. It's better for your story. It's so exciting. You, I, this is why I can't do the completely soft magic system where it's like, oh, I can do this, but then tomorrow you can't. I like to have at least yeah. some kind of groundwork groundwork laid that I know some things are some things hold true. It's like if gravity started just tomorrow decided to reverse for 15 minutes. Why? Yeah. Why then? And it saved you from getting hit by a car. Wouldn't that be fantastic? But yeah, so I think this is a good one that maybe a lot of people don't think about until they are trying to fight. But if you want to start thinking of your climax and thinking of ways your hero can fail, you need to know where the weaknesses are, how how things can go wrong. I still love that about when it, the first time I read Dragonlance and read like how you forget the spell after you cast it. And so then you have to sit down and you have to reread it again. I'm like, that's cool. That is really fun to have that weakness. You cast something and then you're like, sugar, I need it again. I need to go do this. Yeah. No, yeah, it's true. Uh, that's uh, it comes from D and D that that thing in Dragonlance there, but but that that is very cool. Um, but I think as well what you just said also made me think uh, back to the soft magic system because for one, of course, if you have something like a broken magic system, mm-hmm. then you need to foreshadow it before the ending that it breaks. Like so, so something maybe in a minor situation early on in the novel, mm-hmm. uh, we get to see the break in the magic system, so to speak. And it doesn't only just happen at the end because while it does add tension, it can also come across as if, oh, okay, the author needed a bit more tension. So all of a sudden a spell failed and they never ever failed before. So that's not good either. But just tracing back to the soft magic system there you said as well, because it made me just think that it goes with that as well, that if you have a soft magic system where spells can... Well, you just make it up basically because they can do whatever you want them to. But the thing is, once the character has cast a spell, you have to remember that they can do it again, which means that if you cast a spell in book one and then in book four, you that spell would actually have resolved the situation. But all of a sudden, the character doesn't use that spell. Mm-hmm. The reader will remember, and the reader will be like, hey, hey, wait a minute. Why didn't he just cast that spell he used in book one? It would have fixed the whole thing. That's true. So be careful. Just you need to keep track of this stuff. Then, if you have like a, a soft magic system, that what what spells have you actually used, and if they are applicable again to resolve a later situation in a later book, logic only speaks to the fact that he the character should be using it again. Absolutely, that's a really good point. Is just because you have a loose or a soft magic system doesn't mean that you don't have to pay attention to how the magic works or how you end up using it in your writing. Indeed. But that was a sidetrack. Let <laughs> me get back to fourth rule of magic. All right. Number four already. And number four. Yeah, we're moving quickly here. Yes. What are the limitations of magic? Ooh, excellent. And this fourth rule of magic is actually mostly intended for you as the writer, mm-hmm. because most readers will probably never notice that it's here. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't matter one bit. The story will become better, and that is the part that readers will and should notice because when our fourth rule of magic reads limitations, I'm not really talking about the cost of using magic. Okay. You know, like needing certain certain ingredients or something like that. So that's mm-hmm. not what I'm talking about. 
limitations just means what magic cannot do. Okay. Yeah. So that's very important to know. That is a very important part. So that's like if you're a water elemental, you can't use fire. That's just the way For it example. works. Yeah. 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 Just knowing that there is some stuff that the magic cannot do. Or maybe it could also just be that uh, nobody can ever, if you have like, let's say you have the soft magic system again, but maybe there is limitations in the sense that nobody can ever cast any sort of teleportation or time travel spells or something like, you know, you could have certain types of spells or effects that they cannot happen ever, no matter Mm -hmm. what. Uh, But those limitations are important. And as I said, the reader might not notice, or they will probably not know that you have decided that teleportation is impossible. Right. But the fact that this never happens, it it's something that you then have to play with because when you're writing, again, you can't use teleportation as a resolution for a, a problem <laughs> because you've decided that there is this limit. Yes. And of course, bonus points for every author who could then link their limitations to some sort of logical sense or logical reason within their world building. Oh, right? So if nice. you can create a link there, you're going to get bonus points. I like that. I know they're keeping track of their points, but that is a good point to make it, you know, inherent to the world so that, yeah, if so that the two are tied, that you have this magic system that comes from the world and cannot go beyond a certain reason because of something you've already created in the world. That is that is cool world building. That is definitely masterful. Yeah, indeed. And then it also shows the reader that, you know, that there is a reason for this world building element actually had a consequence over here in the magic system and, and so on, which, uh, yes, it just adds, adds so much depth to the world. Fifth rule of magic. We're almost there now. Yeah, we are. We're moving right along. Yeah. The fifth rule of magic is something we just touched upon, actually. It's what are the costs of magic? Oh, costs. So this is like cost energy or is this where you would say ingredients like you know you have to sacrifice something or burn some herbal something or you just makes you tired is that what you mean by cost it could be yes i mean costs are important on one hand because avid readers of fantasy expect there to be a cost for the use of magic Mm -hmm. so it's it's like a trope within this genre and you need to abide to it so let's give two examples here Okay. When Frodo uses the one ring, Sauron can sense his presence. Oh. Right? And the additional uh-huh. cost is that the ring also sort of takes control over you. So you 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 lose yourself to its sway and its power. Right. So there is a direct cost of use there is benefits from using it, but there is a cost every time you do it. That makes sense. Um the other I'm just gonna mention another example, then I'm gonna go back to what you said as well. Okay. <laughs> but in the Wheel of Time series by Robert Jordan, mm-hmm. men go insane from using too much magic. Oh, that's right. I remember reading so that. So again, there is a cost of using the magic. But as you said, it could also be something lesser. It could also be that whenever you use magic, you become really, really tired. And you have to sleep, for example, or you get drained, or it, it could be all kinds of things. I think but that there should sense. be some sort of cost. Yes, I you think should that... be. You should not be allowed to run around just casting five hundred spells, and it, you know, it, like it doesn't matter. 
But I have saw, read a few where they had very strong limitations, like like the elemental magic, and the cost was, you know, slower. Like they could cast quite a few spells, but yeah, if they mm-hmm. did something big or if they cast too many of them. And, you know, if you're only a water elemental and you're in the desert, there's only so many spells you can cast anyway. So I think sometimes having a strong limitation will allow you to have a looser cost. Correct. Yes. Yeah, because essentially as well, that's to some degree what we did did with our magic system Mm -hmm. as well. The costs are fairly limited in the sense that, because, but the limitations are huge, meaning that um, because it's based off of emotions, yes. if you have to pull from your emotions, but if you accidentally start mixing two emotions, so basically it's like you have to purify your mind. Like, let's say um, the dragon is attacking you. I used that on a different <laughs> podcast we were interviewed on. Dude, recently. someone's going to, if and they've said, listened to it, they know how this ends. <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> but if the dragon is attacking you and you are scared, mm-hmm. then you can channel being scared and use the spells that are associated to that emotion. But <laughs> if you then all of a sudden, let's say the the dragon does a swipe with his tail all of a sudden, you didn't expect that, and then you get you're surprised. And then you accidentally start challenging surprise as well as being scared at once. That's uh, no good. Uh, no, not in our world. That can end you in some place you don't want to be. <laughs> or with some yeah, magic Because all of a sudden effect. you're going to get random magic effects because the magic system cannot handle that you're mixing emotions. Yes. So you have to keep absolutely pure in your mind about what you're channeling mm-hmm. and stick to that. And if you start feeling something else, which is pretty difficult not to do when a dragon is <laughs> coming at you, <laughs> then, you need to then you're going to get in trouble. You're like, oh... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Imagine you need a happiness spell. That's pretty damn difficult to it do. Is. But we do have a cost because we do have a backlash of whatever magic you're channeling then kind of washes over you as well. So there is a cost, but it's a smaller cost because the limitations are so, like, you really, if you break the limitations, you're going to have a horrible... <laughs> horrible experience who knows what's going to happen and you know you could turn the dragon into two dragons and yay so. oh my god <laughs> jesus making it even worse oh yes yeah unless they start fighting each or other like then it could work you're like yourself or something <laughs> yeah well yeah. cool okay well that leaves the sixth rule of magic all right wow we're on six already all right i want to hear this one yeah yeah so the sixth rule of magic is what are the ramifications of magic? Okay. So applying the sixth rule is basically that, well, when applying it, I think, to be honest, you have to limit yourself a bit as well. Okay. Because at times it can be tempting to like world build a different way of how magic impacts society and cultures for every single country and every single species and every single race in the entire world. Mm. Uh, yeah probably don't want to do that (laughs) so ramifications are sort of how does it fit into the world like culturally like do people do people without magic tolerate magic users or they want to capture them and use them like lucky leprechauns what's going on with the whole world and those who do and do not have magic yeah exactly yeah What, what what impact does it have on society the fact that magic exists um and 
I think this is. I mean, you can have situations like, well, for example, let's just take Gandalf again because it's so easy. <laughs> but, <laughs> not uh, that you're stuck you on take... Lord of the Rings or anything. <laughs> not at all. No. Okay. No. No. What was that? The the other podcast we were on as well. They they said drink every time we talked about Lord of the Rings. I think it happened five times in one hour or something. Yeah. Thank goodness I was drinking tea. <laughs> yeah. Um. But where was I going with this? Yeah, so for example, um, Gandalf. Yes. He um, he's very revered in Middle Earth mm-hmm. because he's a magic user, right? So in that society, the mages are just respected people, right? Um, and you can leave it as at something simple as that. It doesn't have to be more in terms of ramifications, but it could also be that. Maybe people don't like people using magic. Maybe there is like a magic police that arrests people who uses magic or something like that. Or maybe everybody can learn magic. So there's tons and tons of schools that you can uh, you can go to and you just mm-hmm. start learning magic. Or I mean, there's so many ways you can make it show in your culture and in your environment and in your setting that magic is part of of the setting but just don't go overboard and cram in two million variations um but i think if you pick a few things and work with that then that's going to get you quite far yes i think that makes sense i mean that's like my um epic fantasy with the elemental magic anyone who had elemental magic was like forced to join an order the church of four orders so you could even make it a religious a quasi-religious i mean the magic came from the goddess so you know it all kind of fit together so those are really fun ways to world build and make the magic fit into the world a little bit better if the limitations are coming from the world you know the result of having magic should be part of the world as well Mm-hmm. And I think considering all that we've discussed, it's also worth mentioning how there are some cliche-filled magic systems that we have <laughs> seen way too often. No. So I'm going to mention a few here. All right, this will be fun. Yeah, I like yeah, the cliche there is. ones. I'm like, going to mention a few. Uh, ever since we mentioned... And like, you'll see that I'm right. I'm sure I will. Ever since we mentioned like having a pen name and just writing completely trope trash fiction, it just sounds like so much fun <laughs> to me. It's like this other life I now secretly want to do this. It would actually be a bit fun, to be honest, but I think it would be quite silly as well. It would be, but there's nothing wrong with silly. No. All well, right, so so next time you're creating a magic system for your setting, try to avoid the following four. All right. Okay. Okay. Number one, healing-based magic. Not that healing spells, there's they are quite common. There's nothing wrong okay. with that. But when magic becomes more or less like a stand-in for a hospital, oh, then yes. you better stay clear of that. And I've been a bit guilty of that one myself. So try to avoid that. It's not very funny when all this time the magic usually just heals whoever gets hurt and then they just continue. Not cool. <laughs> I you would have to set up the world because I've definitely done this too but if you don't want to kill off too many characters make the cost really high you can heal someone but it's a high cost to do it but yeah it's it is one way of avoiding killing off everyone if that's something you don't want to do yeah but then find better ways of doing that yeah it's got to have a high cost or number high two limit. yeah 
That's and number two. two is throwing fireballs. Oh, and come on. I'm guilty of that too. But fireballs, no, no, please. We've what if seen you're a fire it 200 elemental? million. But then do something else with fire. They do too. Just have them throw something other than fireballs, please. Just once in a while. No, no fireballs, Autumn. <sighs> you know, you are All prohibited right. from fireballs from now on. Uh, Never you know, again. I like breaking, I, I like breaking rules, so be careful with that one. <laughs> okay, well, you're allowed to do a lot of fireballs and only fireballs, because then I know you're not going to do them, because you're right. going to do the opposite of what I say. So. All right, okay. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, okay, this next one... This one is for you, Autumn. So I've I've been guilty of the first two myself. Okay, so <laughs> this one's specifically gonna, mine. <laughs> I've I've created a specific one for you because I have two now that I'm guilty of, and then okay. I'm feeling bad, I've and then the I have first to, two. I have to I have to drag you down with me. All right, yeah? fine. Yeah, all right, <laughs> you want to pull me down? What is this one? <laughs> elemental magic. Oh come on! I love elemental magic. It is seen so many times. Every magic scene, every time. Uh, I think he, I tried to do something different when I did mine. I tried to have the powers do well, plus. There's five. It's not four, so I did have five elements. But then you do have to explain that, even though that as a culture in this world has five elements. But yeah, I don't know. I I still have no guilt. I adore elemental magic, and I tried to make it scientific, so that it was earth was minerals and you know dead things and yeah fire water could purify there was so much fun trickling out the precipitates i don't know and fire could do light so they could cast illusions i tried to make it a little fresh come on i feel like you're not re- very taking my cliche filled magic systems very seriously uh uh-uh, i have you're no just regrets. Uh, basically <laughs> saying that all of them is 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 good uh-huh. it's magic I have no regrets. Yeah. Just put in magic. <laughs> okay, what about oh, so my number four? And you probably right. don't like that one either then. Oh, yeah. Hmm. This is uh, with Harry Potter. Okay. Uh, we've just had too many witches and warlocks using wands and spell ingredients. So let's hmm. take care of that one. Can Can you at least give me that one then? I can give you that one, actually. I I've never written a story with spell ingredients and stuff, and I did love Supernatural. And then, you know, they'd be tracking down all this stuff that they needed for these spells. But I don't know. It, it's it would be hard to do in another original one. It's sort of like Arthurian legends at this point. I've read enough of those at the moment. I'm good. Yeah, I don't feel that this was a very good ending because I thought I had such good cliche filled <laughs> magic systems and then you're not on board at all. I can just feel I I wanna I wanna I go right cliche filled magic systems. <laughs> I'm going to just Yeah, I wanna stop I wanna stop this episode. It's not going the way I want it. Oh, I'm gonna go read your Patreon post on Kindle Vela and maybe use that to write cliched magic systems. And I'll just be having a blast this <laughs> oh <my> weekend. <laughs> Oh, we better we better end here. This is not going well. <laughs> so next week, uh, Autumn should have a very good interview lined up for you if all goes well. So make sure to tune in for that. If you like what you just heard, there's a few things you can do to support the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast. 
Please tell a fellow author about the show and visit us at Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review. You can also join Autumn and Jasper on Patreon.com slash AmWritingFantasy. For as little as a dollar a month, you'll get awesome rewards and keep the Am Writing Fantasy podcast going. Stay safe out there and see you next Monday.